I'm Paul Sutton, and this is Digital Download, the show where I talk to topic experts on digital marketing, social media, and public relations about the things that matter in today's communications industry. Last summer, I rebuilt my website. It has a new structure, new design, and new copy. But as I was nearing launching it, and more as an afterthought than anything else, I added a WhatsApp button across the site, meaning that from any page, whether on mobile or desktop, a visitor can quickly and seamlessly send me a message. Within a week, I'd received my first consultancy inquiry via WhatsApp. Now, you might argue that's just coincidence, but since then, while the phone and email remain my main points of contact for potential clients, I've had numerous inquiries via private messaging. One of the biggest trends in digital communications over the last few years has been the growth of messaging apps. As far back as 2016, the monthly active users of the top four messaging apps, which were WhatsApp, WeChat, Facebook Messenger and Viber, surpassed active users of the top four social networks, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn. Since then, WhatsApp has doubled in size and recently reported 2 billion users, while other than Instagram and TikTok, growth of mainstream social media has stalled. Mark Zuckerberg stated last year that he sees private messaging as the future for Facebook and other social platforms, and messaging apps have now asserted themselves as the dominant communications channel both for personal and business use. But messaging presents many challenges to businesses wanting to use it to improve communications both internally and externally. And today I'm talking to Ashley Friedline, the founder of a new messaging service for business called Guild, about the explosion of private messaging and what it means for corporate communications. If his name sounds familiar, it's because Ashley established eConsultancy in 1999. He'd originally started working for a digital agency, which is now part of Digitas, in the dot-com boom of the late 90s. That was a time when he says they were just making things up as they went along. He set up eConsultancy as a web-based community where those working in digital at the time could share and learn from each other's experiences in a trusted environment. He says the early days were a bit like therapy. Now, eConsultancy was never meant to be a business. It was what we now think of as a side hustle for actually to experiment. At the time, the the idea which was to have create a membership which people would pay for, so there's some free content still and then content you'd pay for, was very unusual that was still in the area where everyone said information wants to be free and all the business models for anything kind of media and content related should be ad funded um and so we were quite in hindsight quite pioneering or or quite crazy at the time to try that Um, and because i didn't have a background in publishing or media it just seemed to me to make sense and so actually my lack of experience there was turned out to be quite a benefit because now of course all b2b media businesses are pretty much all moving towards and, and you know newspapers and things towards subscriptions and memberships and paid for stuff but that wasn't at the time that was um that wasn't the case E-consultancy was sold to Centaur Media in 2012, and in 2018, Ashley established Guild, a private professional messaging app. He'd watched the explosion in the use of private messaging, but was also very aware of the limitations that current services have for businesses. I asked him about the drivers of the switch to messaging. 
And I think there's a, and maybe we'll come on to an interesting possible difference between what might be called sort of business or professional messaging or the use of messaging in business versus consumer or, or personal messaging. But the, I mean, the growth of, of messaging generally, I think, obviously has come with the growth of mobile. So, um, you know, which is still relatively kind of new on the scene, but, um, and say in the days of e-consultancy, that was, that was pre-mobile, it was pre-Google and pre-social media. And that was only 20 years ago. So things have moved very quickly. Uh, so mobile came along um, and then there was obviously text messaging and, and email on your phones. And then more recently, you know, WhatsApp's 10 years old-ish, I think. Um, uh, you've got um, instant messaging, um, and sort of messaging apps and, and not just WhatsApp. Uh, and I think it's a combination, you know, why has that become so popular? It's a combination of things. Partly there is a this sort of instantaneity, the, the kind of real time, the immediacy. Um, some of those elements, I think, do uh, uh, tip over into addictive type um, um, tendencies. And these are some of the concerns around you know, Facebook and WhatsApp and others, they're actually designing for addiction. So a lot of the, that instantaneity is a sort of compulsion and the other person is typing and there's, you know, emojis and dopamine hits all the time. And we're in a constant state of anxiety about the next notification, not just messaging, but social media generally, I guess. Well, I was going to say that that applies very much to social media, doesn't it? Um, I've, I've not heard it applied so much the way you're describing it to Messenger, but it makes perfect sense. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think we, um, you know, the notifications, the badges, the tings and pings and and alerts and things, we are, you know, wired as a, a sort of humans to try and respond to uh, uh, some of these um, cues and, and visual cues and audio cues and things. Um, and say there is a, a, a grey or thin line between, I think, trying to make something engaging and compelling and useful and um, that tipping over into something which is actually maybe not very good for your mental well-being or your attention and yeah, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But, you know, like it or not, messaging, I think because it's mobile, because it's, uh, you know, intimate, instant, it's on your person, it cuts through where email, you know, if it's certainly when you come into business, and, and I have, you know, teenage daughters and getting them to look at an email is a hilarious task. It might as well, you know, <laughs> send something by a carrier pigeon on vellum. Um, so, um, so uh, yes, it's it, it mobile is the medium now, um, you know, default, most of the communications and internet activity now obviously happens on mobile phones. Messaging is a, is a part of that. Um, also, I think there's a... Um, you know, even uh, Mark Zuckerberg acknowledges this move towards more private, um, smaller, intimate sort of channels and groups. So messaging still tends to be either one to one or in smaller groups, often mm -hmm. friendship groups or family groups and things. And so we are there is a bit of a trend, a sort of um, shrinking away from the big wide world of social media where everyone was just sort of putting themselves out there. And that's got all quite noisy. People mm -hmm. are looking, sort of retreating back into slightly more curated, intimate groups for both in business and, and personally. And messaging, I think, sort of plays into that uh, fairly well. Um, also, there's been a lot of trust. You know, it's a challenge for marketers or, you know, people in, in communications. There's a, generally a loss of trust in institutions, uh, politics, uh, banks, whatever. And, and people are 
trusting um, people they know, you know, so friends and family or individuals. And so again, messaging, you know, brands do not aren't big players in the messaging space at the moment. So you don't um, interact with brands over messaging that much yet. I mean, it's starting to happen a bit more. But yeah. it, so, so again, I think messaging is um, has grown in you know, partly because of that inti intimacy and access and speed, but also because it's connecting individuals, um, you know, in, in those more intimate groups away from the world of, of brands trying to market at you. And email has become quite saturated in that regard. Yeah, it's interesting. I was a member of um, a WhatsApp group for a, um, or a company not so long ago. And it had, I don't know, this group had maybe 100 different members. I couldn't be on that for very long before, like you say, the, the notifications just drove me nuts and ended up turning off and eventually leaving the group. And that seems to present an issue as well from, from my perspective. When it comes to the business side of things, <laughs> this is an odd question to ask you, especially when you've just said this about your teenage daughters. But I yeah. know some people still think this way. What's wrong with email? Well, I mean, I think it's, uh, there's nothing, but different, um, you know, one of the things, we haven't published it yet, but which um, we're working on, we're calling it a hierarchy of messaging, a bit like a Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but is, is to try and um, help figure out what kinds of media or what kinds of tools are appropriate for what kinds of conversations or communications. And, you know, interestingly, there was an interview recently with um, Stuart Butterfield as the founder of Slack. And, you know, maybe we'll come on to Slack, but that's another, you know, team based uh, sort of messaging and, and workflow collaboration tool that's been very successful and has grown, um, you know, incredibly quickly. But even he sort of acknowledges that there is not really any agreed etiquette or protocol really around how to use Slack versus email versus face to face versus telephone versus some project management tool and things. So I think the truth is we're still slightly figuring this out because both in our personal lives and professional lives, but because this has so happened actually so quickly, we need to try and figure out, well, what, you know, when is email um, appropriate versus say messaging versus say some, you know, uh, workflow tool uh, versus in-person or web conferencing phone um, and I mean I would say that you know email has does suffer you say so what so why not email it doesn't have that um, quite the same obviously live instant feeling it doesn't have um, a social element particularly I mean sometimes you can see a sort of profile but it doesn't really feel like um it doesn't feel quite so sort of peopley, I suppose, or yeah. social as, as some of these other media. And also when email gets into groups, uh, particularly bigger groups, it becomes very unwieldy. And if you're sort of doing group um, email addresses and trying to manage those and people coming in and out of a group email is very hard. You can't BCC 60 people. You know, <laughs> so it's a bit, it, I think, you know, so email is the sort of, has become, you know, the in-writing kind of medium, I suppose. Yeah. And where I think you are, for example, documenting actions and decisions, or you need sign off or approval, you need something in writing, you know, sort of a rec official records or sending anything personal or sensitive, then, then email makes a lot of sense. But it doesn't work so well if you just want to ask a quick question, you want to share a link or a contact, you're throwing out some new ideas, uh, you, you know, it, it, that I think suits messaging, for example, much better. 
Um, and I think, you know, then the, the workflow comms and project management is, is another sort of category or type of um, the purpose of communication, which is about, you know, task prioritization or assigning responsibility, monitoring progress, you know, clarifying requirements, you know. So there, so there are, I think, different, these different media suit um, different sorts of communication. But at the moment, we the most businesses or even us in our personal lives haven't uh, quite figured out a, a protocol or etiquette or, or normal ways of working around these yet, just because it's, you know, come about so quickly. And even if, I mean, I don't, you know, I remember back, if you think LinkedIn or Twitter and, you know, when you started off, probably you maybe accepted every invite you got because it was all a bit exciting and you just wanted to get high numbers. And now in hindsight, you think, God, I wish I'd had some sort of discipline or rules around who I connected with mm-hmm. um, and um, and that's sort of maybe easier to see in hindsight and then we start to form these um, you know rules or behaviors um, and we're still in that phase a bit I think with messaging where we're figuring out um, you know and, and how do we turn off notifications from work at the weekend yeah. or when we're on holiday and, and you know just and it, it's hard you know partly because say some of this stuff is quite addictive and compelling and needs some self-discipline and also because sometimes we're not quite clear which medium to use for which kind of purpose. But I think that's, you know, that's something that we're figuring out both from just a behavioral point of view and from a, obviously there's a whole legal uh, part to this, particularly when it comes to sort of business, which is equally, uh, well, I think it's fairly clear, but as in the, the laws are fairly clear, but people's understanding and application of those is, is fairly thin so far. Guild is an app that seeks to solve some of these issues. Think of it as a WhatsApp for business. And when you consider that just recently WhatsApp was exposed for allowing private groups to be discovered by Google, it seems a very timely and arguably necessary service. 41% of UK workers use WhatsApp for professional purposes, according to a recent survey, and that's despite it being against WhatsApp's own terms and conditions to do so. So where did the idea for Guild come from? Ashley says that when e-consultancy was set up, it was pre-mobile. So things like bulletin boards and discussion forums were the places that professionals hung around together. He says that at this time, such forums were reasonably well quality controlled, with discussions that captured knowledge in a useful and documented manner. But it was when mobile and apps like WhatsApp and Messenger started to take off that the concept for Guild came to him. I'd seen then, uh, with not rocket science, but mobile had been, it was growing as, as the primary way that people um, sort of interact with the internet. And, and then people were starting to use uh, messaging apps in a, in a professional context as well. I mean, in the West, that's mostly WhatsApp. Well, actually, WhatsApp's relatively smaller in the US, interestingly. It's more Messenger, but certainly UK, Middle East, India, Australia, and the places quite WhatsApp. And then obviously there's WeChat and all sorts of others, you know, China and so different messaging apps dominate in different uh, things, but WhatsApp is is the kind of the main one that we we think about. Um, so, I'd you know I was a member of various WhatsApp groups professionally. Um, I've you know was frustrated by the fact that there are no profiles, for example. So I didn't really I just see a list of mobile phone numbers, no idea yeah, who anyone yeah. is. I couldn't delete stuff after a while. I couldn't search back in time if once I joined a group there was no there's no threading in the conversation. So if you know it's fine for social banter but if i've actually got a serious question it's not very good because i have to scroll back through yards and yards of stuff to kind of find anything 
Um, and and then there's the whole Facebook ownership. Um, you know, God only knows what they're doing with my data. You know, they're going to bring in advertising. Um, they were due to be bringing it into the mainstream this year. They sort of backed down a bit from that, but they will be. They're integrating it with Instagram and Messenger. All of these things just sort of, it's not GDPR compliant. So it's basically, it's illegal for businesses to use. Um, it's against their own terms even to use it for business purposes. So there's a whole host of reasons why I thought just as, as an end user experience, it's not right. It's not optimal. And, you know, I had to go to LinkedIn to try and find out, you know, maybe someone's profile details and things. And, and also then say from a business point of view and even slightly from an ethical, moral, whatever point of view, I thought there's an opportunity to create a something which had that ease of use of something like WhatsApp, because that's, I think, partly why it's become uh, so popular um, uh, and widespread, um, but had the um, you know privacy and uh, legal compliance control and sophistication service you you sort of expect and need for business and professional uh, purposes the business model is that um, it's free for individual you know users professionals to use but then businesses can pay sort of a SaaS you know model um, a, a fee to have the business version of the product which has all of that, you know, custom branding and analytics and account-wide, um, you know, uh, invitation and group management, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, so yeah, that that means we don't have to do all of the advertising and 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 trading of personal data and all that kind of stuff, which I feel, you know, a bit uncomfortable with. I mean, I totally agree with you when it comes to searchability of of things like WhatsApp and Messenger and and actually Telegram, which I've used as well. Yeah, because you, you can't track a conversation you can't track anything like that can you expand a bit on what you were talking about there when it comes to data um and and gdpr because this is something that probably most businesses i would guess 99 percent of businesses will not be aware that what's it's against whatsapp's terms to use whatsapp for business for example yeah and unaware of the gdpr uh, implications can you expand on that a little bit yeah, I mean, it's not actually just GDPR, but I mean, so for example, um, within GDPR and, and I suppose just more uh, um, broader than that, because of, it'd be interesting to see at the end of this year, obviously the UK comes out of the EU and, you know, they said they're kind of going to be committed to uh, effectively a UK version of GDPR, but wh- whether it's GDPR or, or, you know, there's the California Consumer Privacy Act now, so start in the US as well, but so privacy or data protection generally um, the challenge is with whatsapp is that there's um, you know a lack of explicit consent so for example if someone's got your mobile phone number or you're in a whatsapp group you can get added to another group without your consent and i mean i've ended up yeah. both via whatsapp and telegram on all sorts of dodgy um, groups and, and even they get these spam bots sometimes come in where a mobile phone number turns out not to be a human but some kind of machine and it just scrapes all the mobile phone numbers and automatically starts adding you to hundreds of groups I mean I've had that happen a couple of times so there's no consent you can't obviously if you if I'm in your contacts address book and you give permission for WhatsApp to access that then you know I have effectively been uploaded to WhatsApp and, and or Facebook and then integrated into the Facebook companies um, so again, there's no, I have no choice in that. So there's, you know, an issue with consent there. You can't delete your information after a certain while. And again, that's um, because it exists on other people's phones. 
Um, and that's again against you know the right to deletion is is part of uh, GDPR and various privacy le reg uh, legislation. You can't get your data. You can get your sort of profile information out of WhatsApp, but you can't get your actual messages back. And again, that's you know contrary to a lot of the privacy things. Your data is I think transferred outside the EU zone. Um, God only knows where. Um, so there are all sorts of reasons why it's. Um, nigh on impossible it might just about be possible to use whatsapp in a gdpr compliant way i think it'd be very very hard though you'd have to not give access to anything invite people via the invite link sure etc but so so you know there's a whole that's gdpr but it's not just that i mean the other there's you know businesses have a duty to keep you know proper records of their employees conversations um, and people obviously, you know, so email, you are kind of conscious. I mean, you're assuming that the IT people aren't reading all your emails, but you kind of know it exists on some server or what, somewhere. Yeah, yeah, other, yeah. And it could be looked at if, if there was, you know, a, a legal challenge of some sort. Now, clearly with WhatsApp, that's not the case. The corporates don't have any access to that thing. Now, of course, that might be the, quite the reason why <laughs> some individuals want to use it. It's precisely because <laughs> it can't be seen. You yes. know, and I understand that, but it's it's still not legal ultimately. And I think there is a place. There's no reason why we shouldn't be able to have uh, conversations in a messaging uh, app type environment and still sort of be on the record, as it were. I think you know, if you have a conversation in LinkedIn, for example, you sort of have that sense that clearly LinkedIn have got that data storing it somewhere. Email is the same. You know, so so WhatsApp and then Telegram and Signal start to become the places where you're talking about the things you really shouldn't be or saying the things you really shouldn't be. Now, that's going to always happen, of course, and that's fine within reason, um, but not when it's, you know, as a business owner, you can't endorse that or allow that uh, to happen. So, you know, that's that's another thing. And then just corporate governance if if you with whatsapp the, the challenge for businesses is they don't even know what whatsapp groups are running because there is no back end there's no directory they don't know who's on those groups they know they've got former employees former contractors who've still got access to stuff that they shouldn't i mean it's a complete mess basically or chaos yeah. in terms yeah. of they've got absolutely no visibility or control at all um, and that's you know a train wreck waiting to happen really as well and then, you know, sometimes there are even safeguarding kind of challenges. I mean, around because you can't delete stuff. There's no moderating um, feature in, in WhatsApp. So if someone says something, you know, particularly inappropriate or bad or whatever, you can't delete it. Um, so, you know, so there's a whole bunch of things where I think, you know, businesses really shouldn't uh, and can't um, be condoning or allowing the use of WhatsApp for, for anything to do with work or business. The messaging infrastructure is now pretty complex, and it's not just the likes of WhatsApp and Telegram that are being used professionally. Much of my own messaging, for example, takes place in Slack, and Slack has seen massive growth since it launched in early 2014. It now has more than 12 million daily active users. But tools like Slack and Microsoft Teams are, according to Ashley, team collaboration tools, whereas Guild is an interpersonal one-to-one -one messaging service. As he points out to me, you wouldn't create a Slack account just to message someone, whereas you probably would with something like WhatsApp. He also tells me that Guild users tend to be very senior. Currently, about a quarter are CEO level, another 30% are senior management, and one in 10 are company founders. They're using Guild to build personal relationships with others in a hugely professional environment. 
And these sorts of people don't like the overwhelming environment in Slack with multiple channels and mixed conversation threads. So they tend to retreat back to a less noisy environment. Now, I can see the difference to the likes of WhatsApp and Slack, and I can see the benefits for business people. But one of the things that concerns me with Guild is that overwhelm feeling that Ashley himself referenced. From where I sit, I guess there are two issues that I see you facing. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm interested in your responses to these. So the first one is, is a response from the world in general, from business people in general, of, oh, God, not another app I've got to download. What's your response to that in in terms, you have referenced this earlier, in terms of people feeling like they've got to be always on and the pressure to respond to things and and now I've got to download another app onto my phone. How how are you going to counter that sort of response? Well, yeah, I mean, I do understand that. And, and, but I think ultimately a lot of these things, it's about the, the value you end up getting from whatever, you know, app or, or thing it is. And therefore, if something does deliver value, then of, then of course you will use it and sort of persevere with it. But I, I mean, I'd also say the when WhatsApp first came out, for example, I remember, you know, I was using text messaging, whether it was iMessage or SMS, and I go, why do I, why do I need WhatsApp? Well, why do I need a messaging app? What does it do that messaging doesn't do? And to be honest, it, st- it still doesn't really do anything that iMessage doesn't do. <laughs> um, uh, or, 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 you know, text messaging, group SMS could work, just pretty much does what WhatsApp does. So, um, you know, but here we all are, or two billion users later, it sort of becomes accepted normal thing. So, um, uh, and and I think that you know what we also and I see this with LinkedIn and also WhatsApp is they almost become victims of their own success, uh, and particularly when they are ad funded models where they just want more users and more usage. At, you know, that's their primary driver. Whereas mm-hmm. Guilds, Guild isn't that. You know, it's about quality and value, not about quantity and volume. So. The the problem with WhatsApp now it is it's it's just got it's just the quality like you said you joined a group I don't know whether you know it was necessarily it's it's just getting overwhelming and the yeah. the reason then that often and we're hearing this with, with Guild is that people because WhatsApp conflates often business and personal stuff when they get their ping or ting at work they might be work it might be that their child's ill at school or something when you get your ping at ting at the weekend it could be work and interrupting that or it could be your child you know and we're hearing people switching off their notifications because they're getting so many and Mm -hmm. then missing out on something important from work or home because they can't divorce the two so we uh, you know whatsapp i think is like i think has happened with linkedin has become so noisy that people are starting to switch off completely and so actually sort of ironically you know the yet another app type thing is actually a positive thing because with guild you can go at least that's my work stuff and if i have whatsapp or whatever i choose telegram or cocoon or all sorts of apps for my personal and family stuff i can manage those in a way which kind of makes sense uh, makes sense and which i can switch on or off so so i think actually there is a benefit to um uh, to having um, to being able to do that, be able to separate kind of work and, and personal stuff, if if you want to. Yeah, that that make that does make sense. I think the the other issue is <laughs> how the hell do you beat Facebook? <laughs> because so many companies have tried to compete with Facebook, and I, I mean Facebook the the corporation, not Facebook the network. But yeah. as we know, you know, WhatsApp's owned by Facebook. Messenger is obviously a Facebook app. 
how do you go up against Facebook? <laughs> well, you know, in our our sort of ten year plan is if we can end up with ten million uh, users, members, as we call them, of Guild, um, either paying or being paid for at ten pounds a year each. Mm-hmm. That's a hundred million revenue business, which is plenty big enough, I think, for our aspirations. Right. But a hundred million. Uh, revenue for someone like Facebook is is minuscule and 10 million users out of and they've got 2 billion on WhatsApp and with yeah. kids is tiny so we actually yeah. only need a very tiny fraction of the market to create what I think is still quite a sizable business so we're not um, and you know we think there are enough businesses or professionals out there in the world who are prepared to pay or be paid for to have a you know an experience which is um, you know, better suited for 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 business use so so yes whilst we're competing for attention i suppose um, and usage and habit against whatsapp in the professional world it's it's a it's a sort of tiny subset ultimately of the kind of broader user base you know and even within whatsapp i think a lot of the two two billion odd are in india alone is i think over half a billion and i think there's um there's a little bit of a, a not say backlash, but a movement. If you look at sort of Facebook itself is, I think, plateauing or, or sort of even shrinking. You know, I yeah. mentioned my teenage daughters. They wouldn't be seen dead on WhatsApp because that's for old people. You know, they're, <laughs> they're on, um, you know, maybe they are on Instagram, sadly. So it's still Facebook, but they're mostly on, you know, Snapchat for, for sort of messaging or now TikTok, obviously, uh, which is Chinese owned. So, I mean, I, I think Facebook really is competing with uh, WeChat and the Chinese. Um, and, you know, they're moving towards a, a WeChat type mega app uh, environment, which is, yeah. you know, it's fine. Um, but I think there's 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 place for other specialist apps. And even within messaging, you know, there are dedicated messaging apps for city traders. There are dedicated messaging apps for doctors in hospitals. And we wouldn't, I don't think, recommend that Guild, I mean, it will work fine for doctors and hospitals and it's private and secure and all that lot. But within healthcare, there is additional, you know, legislation and, and, and duties handling patient records and things where there are specialist um, apps, messaging apps for that. And I, so I think we will see this sort of an ecosystem um, of um, apps that suit certain purposes, then none of them are going to be as big as a, a sort of a Facebook generalist consumer app. But, you know, with Guild, if we're going for sort of a general purpose business uh, messaging app, that's that's still a plenty big enough thing to aim for. I mean, personally speaking, I'd love to see things break out in the way you talk about into specialist smaller niche communities and, and, and niche apps. Um I think it's a massive challenge and good luck to you, but um, I'd love to see that model. I really would. Yes. The other interesting thing is that the something like LinkedIn, for example, is, um, uh, you know, the value, it has that network effect thing where the more people are on it, the more valuable it becomes. I would say that that's past a tipping point where actually it's gone too far and it's, it's become its value is dropping again now because it's got too mm-hmm. noisy. Um, but with something like Guild, it's um, it's not necessarily the case because if I, I create a group of 20 people, it can be super valuable to me. The fact that there are, you know, 10 million or zero other people on Guild is doesn't make any difference. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. 
So we're not yet deliberately with the Guild. There are no, your profile is not public. None of the groups are public or discoverable. You can't look people up on Guild. You can't look up groups and apply to join them. It's all invitation only. So, I mean, the downside for us is that the, we obviously, you know, our biggest opportunity to grow Guild is not via kind of sales or advertising. It's via the network effect of users inviting in other users and creating groups and other people creating groups, you know, so we do want it to grow that way. but we're slightly uh, making it harder for ourselves by not opening it up and saying, you know, just, it, but that would, you know, my concern then is the quality would suffer and it'll become a bit of a free for all. I mean, we have, we have um, cabinet ministers on guild. We have generals and military people on guild and I, you know, they don't want to have, you know, <laughs> they don't want to be discoverable and, and just sort of out there. That's kind of the point. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, but it does mean that we don't have to be necessarily massively big. It does help, of course, that if, um, you know, your point about not another app, if, if we can get to the point where people are saying in business and they say, oh, why don't we use, I don't know, X new app? And they go, well, why can't we just use Guild? Everyone's got Guild. You know, obviously that would be a great place for us to be. Uh, we're not there yet, but um, so yes, we do want to be, you know, commonly used, but still try and maintain this uh, quality and, and intimacy and control and privacy and security and things. Guild is available on iOS, Android, and as a web client. If you'd like more information or want to give it a try, download the app or head to guild.co. You can subscribe to Digital Download on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the show, please do leave a review, as this helps others discover the podcast. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.